This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning. It's been a delight to worship with you today. We hit some notes that I've never heard some of you hit today, so you did pretty well. Way to go. Highlight of my week is to worship with you. If you're a guest, we welcome you here. Bless all you regulars if you're watching by live stream. We're glad you're here too. If you need a Bible, raise your hands. Our ushers would gladly put the word of God in your hand. So get your hand up real high. Once you get a Bible, go with me to Psalm 92, the 92nd Psalm. We're here uh, still in our series on the church and we'll be on here for a few weeks. Turn with me to Psalm 92. We're going to jump in and get rolling here. I welcome amens. I welcome people that are passionate about the word of God. So again today, I I believe there's going to be an expectation that if it's not there by the time you leave today, it's going to be there, okay? Psalm 92, verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Didn't say those who are thinking about it, those who are considered, but those who are planted in the house of the Lord. It's very important that we get planted in the house of the Lord. Verse 14, they, the ones who are planted in the house of the Lord, shall bear fruit in old age. If you're old, say amen. They shall be fresh and flourishing. And so when you read that in the Amplified, it literally says they will grow in grace. I don't know about you, I would love to grow in grace. I welcome that. He ends in verse 15 and he says, to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. The Amplified says that we will become living memorials. Living, not dead memorials, but we'll become living memorials. In other words, you'll leave a generational blessing or you're walking in it right now. So when I go off what he's talking about here, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, it says, we are to run the race with endurance. We're to run the race with endurance. We're to run life's marathon with perseverance, with discipline, with passion. Now, why is that important? You know, the scriptures say that he who endures till the end shall be saved. So your your eternal salvation is based on, man, I gotta run this race with endurance, but also The things that I do in this life affect people either in a positive way or a negative way. Now, when you look at the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you see a generational God. At one time, all three of them lived under the same tent. So they, they were representation of one generation, another generation, another generation, but they were all on the same team with the kingdom of God. They said, man, we gotta be part of the kingdom of God. So today, I want to put some things within you. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 14. Luke 14. And as you're turning there, when we talk about the gospel, the Bible says the gospel is good news. So when we begin to hear the gospel of the good news, oftentimes people get born again. They give their heart to Jesus. Now remember, the definition of the gospel is good news. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Now, great multitudes went with him. They followed Jesus, and he turned and he said to them. Now, what you're going to begin to see right here is Jesus, he defines what it is to be a disciple of his. 
verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and his children, brothers and sisters, if anybody does not hate, now when I read that, I think, now wait a minute, wasn't the gospel supposed to be good news? To, to hate my mother, my father, my brothers and sisters, so better stated here, that word hate means to put aside. In comparison to anybody else, now, I'm going to help all you Spanish here today. That means Jesus has to be numero uno, okay? He's not going to be number two. He's got to be first. But he doesn't stop right there. He goes on to say, and yes, his own life. And so he's telling us right here, you're going to have to die to yourself. Better state it, I'm going to have to die to self-centeredness. It's not about me. It becomes about him. And he ends this verse and he says, he cannot be my disciple. Unless I get this in order, I cannot be his disciple. Now, Jesus didn't suffer from insecurity. And Jesus wasn't trying to win a popularity contest. And Jesus wasn't concerned about his likes or his following on social media. But what Jesus does right here is he tells us the truth and he says, there's gonna be a price. It's gonna cost you. You wanna see what it's gonna cost us? Verse 27. And whoever does not bear his cross, die to myself, and come after me, cannot be my disciples. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. They begin to ridicule him. So you know what he says right there? It's just not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Verse 30 saying this man began to build and was not able to finish or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So real quickly, you know what he just says? It's gonna be costly. There's gonna be dangers that are involved to serve him. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. I must surrender all. Verse number 34, salt is good. One translation says the salt of the gospel, the salt of the good news is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? So he gets over and he begins to tell us, Without salt, we become tasteless. The Greek in here literally means this, that without salt, we become foolish, but with salt, you're full of wisdom. Keep reading here, verse 35. It is neither fit for the land or the soil, nor for the dunghill, the manure pile. Hmm. But men throw it out. He who has ears, let him hear. 
And so when you start looking at this, without the salt, we become worthless. We become tasteless. And he ended that and he said, you must listen, you must understand, and you must apply. So we think about what he's talking about here in this area called salt. There's three areas that salt affects us. Number one, salt is a seasoner. How many of you have ever eaten food and it's really, 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 really bland? And all it takes is just a little bit of salt and that little bit of salt causes it to come alive. Do you know the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13 in the Beatitudes, he said, you're the salt of the earth. I, I put you here to influence it. I put you here to make a difference. So again, the number one thing with salt, it's the season. Number two, salt preserves. It's a preservative. You know, it says that when people make beef jerky, and I've never made beef jerky, but they cover it in salt. And that salt preserves it, but it also causes all the moisture to be taken out. And it gets rid of all the bacteria. So when we, when we see here that salt preserves us, salt will preserve your beliefs and your values. Do you know that's huge in the time we live right now? I hear people say this, I, I don't believe the Bible. I, I, I don't believe the scriptures. I don't believe those apply to me. Well, I love to think that salt preserves me. I, I love to believe the Bible. I love to live by the word of God. And I pray that that salt will preserve you. The third thing salt does, it kills. Salt will kill grass. I know that for a matter of fact. How many of you have ever made homemade ice cream? My wife did one time and she said, you need to take that out to the alley and dump it. And there was a trail from my back door all the way to the alley. And he killed it. Do you know salt will kill a meal? How many of you have ever sat down to eat a meal and the food was bland? And you took a salt shaker. And the genius before you that used it didn't screw the cap down tightly. It killed it. Salt will kill. But there's a good side of that. Salt will kill the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh. Salt will kill the pride within me. Salt will kill everything within me that's not like Jesus. And so we're called to be the salt. Now, here's a million dollar question. How salty are you today? Woo, I, I, I need to get salty. Well, Jesus is still in the business of making us salty. Now, go with me back into the Old Testament to the book of Numbers chapter 13. And I'm going to show you how the, the salt goes to work in us. That it seasons us, it preserves us, and it'll kill the things that need to be killed. So as you're going to Numbers chapter 13, I'm going to be in Numbers 13, then Numbers 14, and then I'll tell you where we're going after that. When we get here to Numbers 13, this is a passage about these these people that were called the Israelites. And all these people we talk about, 
They were in bondage in a land called Egypt. 400 years. These are the same people that saw the 10 different plagues come upon the Pharaoh. In other words, they were the same people that saw the lice, the frogs, the locusts, all that stuff. These are the same people that saw the Red Sea split. These are the same people that saw God feed them not only with manna, but he brought them a, a, a happy meal of quail. This is the same people that saw God bring forth water from the rocks. So these people have seen God move. But God had promised them some things, so we pick up in Numbers 13, verse number one. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which was the promised land, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Now, I want to highlight something in verse two. Send these men to spy out the land of Canaan. Listen real close. Which I am giving to the children of Israel. Which I am giving to the children of Israel. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not considering it. I'm not hoping so or imagine. This is the land that I'm giving to the children of Israel. Now, off of that statement right there, this is where we come apart in the story. Do you believe God's a man of his word? Do you believe in the promises of God? Do you know in 2 Corinthians 1.20, the apostle Paul said, all the promises of God in him, in Christ Jesus, are yea and amen, are yes and so be it. So when I say that, that God's a man of his word, of his integrity, God's not the problem. And so I read this right here and I think, Lord, preserve me with your word. Give me salt that preserves me that I don't doubt your word. When you promise something, I welcome it and I receive it. And I'm going to highlight this because I believe many of us in here, we've read scripture from God and we put it on the back burners. We, we forgot about it. We've had the thought, well, God must have fell asleep in heaven. He doesn't remember. No, he remembers. So God sends, or Moses sends these 12 men up. And we know through the passage of the story that all 12 of them went. All 12 of them saw the same thing. All 12 of them got to, to handle the clusters of grape. All 12 of them said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. But yet, something happens here. All 12 of them saw the giants. All 12 of them saw the cities. All 12 of them. Over and over and over. But something happens here. There's a word called nevertheless. And when this word nevertheless comes about, 10 of them, the majority, said nevertheless or but. But, but. Let me give you a proverb. If if and buts were candy and nuts, what a merry Christmas we'd have. 
Where's that film? That, that's, that's in this filing cabinet. So 10 of them, the majority, they start becoming very negative and they make excuses and they say, but the people are strong. The cities are large. They're well fortified. And then they drop a nuclear bomb on them and they mention this one word, Anik. Maybe Anik. I'm not positive. But these were the most feared warriors of all the land. And when they said Anik, it literally paralyzed them. Now, I want you to think about something right now. If there was one word mentioned toward you, would it paralyze you? Would it cripple you? Would it keep you from serving God? And so when I read this, this is where we get into the story. Do, do you follow the majority? Do you follow popular opinion? Or do you follow the word of God? So what happens here? 10 said, no way. Two said, way. And so they begin to yak and yak and yak and yak. But I want you to look at verse 30. Numbers 13, verse 30. Then Caleb, one of the 12, he quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. And as I read this, I think, so what's the difference in this guy here? All of the other 10 said we can't, but he said we're well able. We have the capacity to prevail. And so had the salt seasoned him? Had the salt got him where he said, I'm never gonna quit, I'm never gonna give up? Does the salt make you the influencer or you being influenced? And so this was his heart right here. We're well able. The other 10 said, we can't do it. He said, let's go. Let's go. That's who I wanna run with. I wanna run with people who say, let's go. So what begins to happen here? When the other 10 started waffling and crawdadding and retreating and complaining, this guy named Caleb said, you know what? I'm not gonna cut any corners. I, I'm, I'm not gonna waver. I'm not gonna compromise. There's nothing lukewarm within me. I'm gonna continue to serve God. And so as we go on in the story, the other 10 get so upset with Caleb and Joshua, they say, let's execute them. Let's kill them. And we go back to Luke 14 where there's a cost. It can be dangerous at times. It's not always gonna be popular opinion. And so they said, let's kill them. So the man Moses begins to pray and he begins to intercede for them. And after he prays, look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. But my servant, Caleb, because he has a different spirit, he has a different story. Now, I don't know if you've ever read into this, but when he says, my servant, there's a huge difference between a servant 
and a son and a daughter. When you come into this earth and you're born in the natural, you're a son or a daughter. How did that happen? Oop, here he is. You just came into the world. John and Andrea, Andrea just had a new baby last week. How did that happen? He just came into the world. And because little Jonah came into the world, he was a son. Same when you get born again, when you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, you become a son or a daughter. But a servant, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, remember there were three of them, and he gave each of them gifts and ability, and he said, you gotta do something for the kingdom with them. And remember to the first two, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with the little, the little, I'll make you ruler over much. But to the one, he said, you wicked and lazy servant. So when you see right here a servant, you know what I believe a servant is? I believe it's a man or woman that says, I'm gonna make a stand for God, even in difficult times. Because when you make that stand, God takes notice. And it's interesting right here, he says, my servant. You know what God's saying? That's my boy. That's my girl. Now look what he says about him right here. He's got a different spirit in him. And what was that different spirit? He has followed me fully. Woo. I will bring into the land where he went abroad and his descendants shall inherit it. So what Caleb does not only affects his life, it affects his descendants. You know what I believe he's saying here? He was in it for the long haul. He wasn't gonna quit. He wasn't gonna uh, give up. In other words, you know what Caleb's going on here? I got some unfinished business. Now we fast forward 40 years and you come into the book of Joshua chapter 14. I want you to go there with me, Joshua 14. Now, I believe here this morning God's gonna deposit some expectation in every one of us. Where I live with an expectation. And some of you say, Pastor, you're different today. I'm different today. I, I got the eye of the tiger within me right now. That God has moved within me and God has challenged me. And I'm telling you, something's happened with me right now that I'm, I'm living with an expectation that God's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. Joshua 14, verse six. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb. Now, the only reason I wanna highlight this Caleb was out of the tribe of Judah. Remember, those are the 12 tribes of Israel. He, he's out of the tribe of Judah. You know who else was out of the tribe of Judah? Jesus. The Bible references him, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So when you come out of the tribe of Judah, you know what? You got some DNA in you. There's a fight within you. So he's the son of Jephneh, the Kenizzite, and he said to him, now, to set this up, you got you to get the picture. I believe Caleb and Joshua, they're sitting around this fire. 
And they didn't have Starbucks back then. They didn't have Dutch Brothers. So they got some old-fashioned cowboy coffee. You know what cowboy coffee is? It'll come right out of the cup and just, bap, it'll knock you out. So I believe they're drinking coffee and they're talking. And, and Caleb looks at him and, and he said to, to Joshua, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barna. You, you remember, you remember what, what Moses said. I, I know it's embedded in your heart. I know it's been preserved in your heart. And when he said this, I, I believe there's a twinkle in his eye. I believe he's got the eye of the tiger, something stern within him. And he said, you remember, verse seven, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barna to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Everything I said was in my heart. I spoke it as I saw it. Verse nine. Or verse eight. Nevertheless, oh my gosh, there's that word again. Nevertheless, my brethren, not my enemy, my brethren. Now when he says it, I'm thinking he's looking at him thinking, my brethren. Son of a bad word, my brethren. That's how frustrated, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. I wholly. Does that define me? Does that define you? And when he said, I wholly followed the Lord my God, this is the ripple effect that takes place when men and women say, I'm not cutting any corners. I'm gonna wholly and fully follow the Lord my God. I'm gonna swim upstream in a downstream world. I'm gonna hold on to my guns. I'm not quitting, I'm not backing off. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden abroad shall be your inheritance. And he's saying, it'll be your inheritance, Caleb. But he doesn't stop there. And your children's forever. There's three of you that are excited. Your children's forever. Can you imagine being the grandson or the great-grandson of Caleb? And you get to walk through life and say, my granddad was a warrior for the kingdom of God. My, my granddad never backed off from the things of heaven. My, my granddad, he was full of the Holy Spirit. My, my granddad loved the Lord thy God with all his heart. And I say that today, that I believe that's the greatest inheritance we can live or leave. The greatest inheritance in that I leave you my Mercedes. I don't have a Mercedes. I'm just saying that. The, the greatest inheritance in, in my new Callaway Big Bertha driver, which I have. The greatest inheritance in my checkbook, the greatest inheritance I can leave somebody is he served God wholly. He served God fully. And he goes on to say, your children are forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God even when it wasn't popular. Yeah. 
And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while in Israel, we wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 stinking years old. Now here's a thought for you, two of them. Would you keep believing God even if his promise took 45 years? See, the reason I say that, God wants to ignite something within us again today. Some of you have had prophecies. Some of you have had promises. Some of you have read the word of God and you realize what it says, but you've allowed that to, to diminish. You've allowed that to grow stale. And I believe God said, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. The second area off of that is, would you keep your promise for 45 years? Because God did and God still does. Our God doesn't change. How do I know that? 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth looking to show himself strong on behalf of those who won the lottery last night. That's not what it says. It says his eyes are on those who loyally follow him. His heart and his eyes. And so right now, whether we realize that or not, God is scanning the earth. I don't know how he does. He must have this incredible Doppler thing in his eyes. And he scans it, and, and he's looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Those hearts who are all in. Those hearts, I'm committed. He didn't say perfect. But he said those ones who have a passion for my kingdom, for, my, for me and my, my word. Verse 11, as yet as I am strong this day as on that day Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. God preserved him. Did you hear what this dude said? 45 years ago, when I, I'm still just as strong now as I was then. I'm still a man of war, and I believe on the inside. He had a warrior spirit on the inside. This dude was bad to the bone. I mean, he's 85. My dad's in here. He's 85. <laughs> God will preserve you. God will preserve you where you live with that, that fight within you. Say, you know what? I'm not giving up on his promises. Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. You know what that meant? Where he wanted to make his home was the highest altitude of any of the places in, in Israel. This dude, 85. You know what he says? Give me Sierra Blanca. That's not what he said, but you get the picture. Give me the highest place. Lions and tigers and bears, who cares? Give me the place. of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim or Anik were there and the cities were great and fortified. So you know why this comes into play? The giants are still there. 
The cities are still strong and fortified. Nothing's changed except this guy's got the eye of the tiger. This guy's got the spirit of God living in him. And he goes ahead and he says this, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. I'm gonna live by what God said. Man, something happens when we get over in that place in our life where it said, man, Lord, I'm all in. Verse 13, and Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day. Because, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. He ran the race with endurance. He never quit giving up on what God said. What would happen if we begin to live that way again? See, it's very easy right now to sit around and whine and complain. And I know many people say this, I can't wait till 2021's over. I've lived a year of, dis of, of dissatisfaction. I've year, lived a year of frustration. Well, let me whisper something to you. We still got two months left. It's not over. Now I'm going to read a scripture to you that has become very, very dear to me in the last month. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. And, and we know. How do you know? It's in my heart. And we know that all things not the little things, not the minor things, but all things, all things. See, I believe in this life, we look at everything through, through this, this small window when God sees the big picture. And God said, I'm, I'm working all things together for good to those who love me. If you love me, obey me. I'm, I'm working all things. God hadn't forgot, God doesn't forget. I'm working all things. All the things I've promised you, all things. Even in hardships, even in difficulties, even when you're treated unfairly. Anybody in here ever been treated unfairly? He's working all things together for good, for good. You know, at times I'll hear the Lord say that. Remember, I'm working all things together for your good. Just trust me. 2 Timothy 1.6. Apostle Paul said to this young pastor, Timothy, he said, listen, dude, we got to stir up the gifts within you. We, we got to cause those fires within you to come back alive. You know how he said to do that? Through the laying on of hands. He said, I want to stir up those gifts within you. I don't want them to be dormant. But you know what's interesting about that? The verse before that in verse 5. He said, the gifts that came from your grandmother, the woman named Lois, and the gifts that came from your daughter, a woman named Eunice. And so you know what I saw right there? 
the apostle Paul saw some generational blessings that trickled down through the women in his life. God uses women, okay? <laughs> and when I read that, you know how the Lord has taught me to fight my battles? Not through email. You know where that came from? Stand up. Mama, stand up. You, mother. Yes, you. Get up. Praying Samuels come from praying Annas. And many of you have fought in prayer. And that needs to be resurrected in you. Let it come back alive in you. And so a lot of this was birth. I was on a seven hour drive home. I didn't have anything to do for seven hours, but I prayed. I prayed and I had an encounter with God and God said, wake up, get up, quit acting up. And man, I reported for duty again and I said, Lord, Move within me. I don't want to go through life average. I don't want to go through life as a bedwetter. I don't want to go through life to say, nevertheless, my life won't be identified with buts. My life's going to be identified with the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you stand up with me today? Something different about you, Pastor. Oh, yeah. I believe God still is a God that wants every one of us to have encounters with Him. Hold on to the things of God, hold on to the promises of God. Have some bulldog faith. You know what bulldog faith is? I latch down, I don't let go. I don't let go. You'll yank my teeth out before I let go. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. You may be here today just like in the same boat that I was and I can stand before you and say, I've tasted dissatisfaction this year and I've tasted frustration this year. But I said, I'm not not gonna live with the nevertheless. I'm gonna live by the promises of God. I'm going to live by the things that have been spoken over me through the word of God and through prophetic utterance. And so right here today, if you're in here right now, and I'm going to start with this first one because I believe there's several of you in here today. You need to get born again. You need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to say, Lord Jesus, I, I, I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven and I need to be saved. And our God is still in the business. He takes messes and makes miracles when we respond to it. It's it's not about what you did. It's about what you're going to do. And I'm going to respond to you. And so if you're here today and you need to give your heart to Jesus, if you're here today and, and, 
and you're a prodigal and you wanna come home, if you're watching by live stream, get up and stand in front of the TV. If that's you today, make your way down here right now because Jesus is here to save you. I know you're here. How do you know I'm here? Man, when I begin to pray and the Lord will deal with me, He's the God of salvation. Again, we're not here to throw stones at you. Ooh, yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Wow. Come on. I, I know there's more than that. Now, listen. I want it to be your idea, but I'm just bold enough today to come back there and get you. You know why? Because I love you that much. This is, this is how real this is to me. Just with every eye closed right now, never head bowed. Father God, moving hearts that need to be here. That's you, come on. Jesus' name. Well, we're going to pray for my friend Elijah right here. The goodness of God. Any of you in here ever messed up since you've been born again? It's me. Elijah, as far as I can tell, your head's raised, hands raised up, so I don't believe there's anybody in here who's going to cast the first stone at you. Actually, woo, I celebrate days like this. Let's pray. Say this from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry I've blown it. Over and over I've blown it. And I ask you today to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I, I ask you to put a new heart within me. Renew me with the right spirit. And let the joy of salvation come alive in me again today. Jesus, come back and be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Woo, in name, amen, amen. Yeah, let's. Now, what we're going to do, if your life has been defined, you say, that's me, Pastor. I've struggled. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. I believe our God is the God who's going to put a tattoo on you. And it's going to say, all things work together for your good. All things. All things. And so the first thing we're going to do is I welcome you to come down here for that. To say, you know what, Lord? I, I need... I need a new chapter in this book called life to come alive in me. I, I need a touch of heaven that causes your promises to come alive, that my faith would soar, that you would preserve me, that you would season me with fresh salt. If that's you today, if you're weary, come to the altar. We're going to sing, and I believe God's going to have an encounter with you today. Go ahead.
Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.